morning. Happy Victoria Day long weekend. If you're under a tarp, if you're at home, on the road, wherever you happen to be, my name is Ian Power. I'm here with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. Did you know that it's Steve's birthday today? I didn't know it was Steve's birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, well, thank you. We're still trying to figure out how he was hatched. Uh, joining us in studio is Egan Davis. He's an award-winning Red Seal horticulturalist with a background in residential landscaping, greenhouse production, as well as some of the notables like Van Dusen Botanical Garden, Park and Tilford Gardens, and the Mendel Floral Conservatory in Saskatoon. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, currently, uh, Egan is the chief instructor for the Horticulture Training Program, a huge program, very successful at UBC Botanical Garden. And he's joined us today for a mid-spring gardening tune-up. And Egan has agreed to answer any questions you may have for him. So uh, this is about as good as it gets. Free gardening advice from a red seal horticulturist from UBC. So put him to the test, and we'll open up the line immediately because we want to get in on as many calls as possible. 604 604- 280 604-280-9898, or if you are on the road or under a tarp, it's a star 9898 from your cell phone, or you can post your question to the Home Discovery Show Facebook page. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on the air, Ian. It's always fun having you here and always informative, and I know that you're about to, once you wrap up the uh, school semester uh, term, at UBC that you, you'll want to hit the road and you're going to do some traveling and working in uh, some foreign um, gardens around the world? That's right. I'm going to Gothenburg Botanic Garden in Sweden and I'll be spending five weeks there working and uh, meeting all these progressive Swedish gardeners. Well, you were saying before we got started that the, the Swedes are exceptional gardeners and uh, perhaps some of the best in the world. What is it that they're doing that, that we may be missing here? The Swedes look at everything differently. I mean, they take recycling, for example. They recycle all of Germany's garbage, right? Um, and they do the same thing with gardens. There's a fellow that I know that has a 15-acre garden, and he uses absolutely no water, and he has 20,000 different plants in this garden. Wow. Yeah. You know, that kind of leads me to uh, one of the things that I think we have to talk about, and that is water restriction started two weeks earlier than that of last year, and... By most accounts, we're about two weeks behind where we were last year, but this could prove to be, again, another very dry summer. And when you hear that kind of stuff, what goes through your mind when when the, the thought of another drought comes up? It's interesting because even just walking around this morning, I noticed trees that have died from last year. And if we have another year like that, a lot of the plants that aren't well suited to dry soils are going to be thinned out. And, and maybe that's not a bad thing because it's a, a, a better idea to grow plants that need less water. And it's just a matter of finding out which ones are best suited for the climate, the soil, etc. Where do you start? Do you start with climate or do you start with soil? Well, you start with plant selection and deep soil. One of the, the best tricks that I know to ensure plants survive dry seasons is to start off with really deep soil. When it gets dry, the roots go down deep looking for water. And that's what you want primarily? Deep, The deeper the root, the better? Yeah, the deeper the soil, the better. Because when it's hot out, if you've got soil that's a foot deep or two feet deep, you can imagine that underneath the top, you know, 10, 10 inches or so, there's going to be moisture stored in the soil. And so the plants can benefit from that in the hot weather. Would that be an easy explanation as to why grass goes dormant? Oh, yeah. Now, grass only roots six inches down. And, you know, if you have deep soil for your turf, it helps. But even then, the grass plants that we grow in lawns, only grow only root about six or eight inches deep 
Okay. We'll set this up because I want to get onto the phone, as, and I promise we'll take as many calls as possible. One of the things that I do want to talk about before we let you go today, and that is I want to get into the whole idea of food gardening, mm-hmm. because that is perhaps the fastest growing segment of your business. Would you agree with that? Oh, uh, absolutely. I would agree with that. Okay. Well, let's see what John is up to. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yes, good morning. Um, I live on the south slope of Burnaby, so I get lots of sun in my backyard. I have a cedar hedge that um, we planted about uh, six, seven years ago. It's been healthy up until this year, and only one side of my yard, the cedar hedge, is starting to turn brown. Could you recommend anything that I do? Maybe it's some fertilizer of some sort that could help the cedar hedge at all? Hey, John. Yeah, you know, your your cedar hedge is, is dying, and it's a result of last year's heat and the early heat that we've had this spring. Cedars don't like to dry out, and so with the hot weather, they they will turn brown and die. Once it's turned brown, there is no coming back with cedar, so it doesn't matter how much you water it. Fertilizer has salt in it. It'll burn the roots, so you'll have to replace the plants. Okay, John. This, I want to ask the next question for you because I have a similar situation where I have cedar hedging and some of it has uh, seen better days. And I've been told by your friend, uh, Mike Nugent at Bartlett Tree Experts, that uh, perhaps we want to look at something other than a cedar hedge because cedar hedging does require a certain amount of water, quite a bit of water. What are good alternatives to cedar hedging that somebody like John or myself might want to consider? There's a really great alternative. Rocky Mountain Juniper, and there's a cultivar called the Rocket, and they're native to BC, and they do not like water. In fact, the drier the soil, the better, so once they're established. And they grow tight and a very similar form to cedar hedging material, and they're a really nice blue color. Okay, thank you very much. You're nice welcome. to hear from you, John. 604-280-9898 if you want to jump on the line and ask Egan Davis a question about gardening. He is a Red Seal horticulturalist at UBC Botanical Garden. He's the head instructor of the uh, horticulture training program. We'll tell you about that as well. Victoria Day long weekend, so for a lot of us it means getting away. For others it's staying close to home, staycation. I kind of wish we wouldn't use that phrase anymore, but nonetheless, people do like staying at home. It's not like there's a shame with staying at home and wanting to hang out in your backyard. Uh, So with that in mind, people are starting their gardening, and for many, it may be too late, like for grass, for example, but there's lots of things going on right now. What do you want to look at if you're just starting to get organized with your gardening in in the yard at this point in the season? Oh, this time of year is great for seeding a lot of vegetables. So if you feel like it's too late, it's not. You can prepare your vegetable garden and direct seed a lot of things. Right now is a great time to be planting tomatoes. Uh, The soil is really warm, so anything that you plant right now is going to root very quickly and uh, with a little bit of water established nicely. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Grow. Yeah, just go for it. And go you'll to be the garden center. How soon? <laughs> you can start things like if you start sowing lettuce and whatnot, you can it'll germinate quickly and you'll be eating within two two to three weeks. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of grass, and I mm-hmm. and I hate to keep going back to this because it's been it, I've been battling a lawn problem for so many years now. I I finally ripped out the lawn and I I removed all the soil, uh, the, the air rate uh, or uh, power raked it, aerated. 
resoiled, reseeded, um, and, and nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> nothing not, germinated. N- nothing is happening. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, and I'm getting I'm getting what I would consider to be a, a fair uh, mixture between sun and moisture. Okay, huh? Okay, yeah, and yeah. it's south south um, east facing. Right. It's, so it does get some sunshine. But it's also very shaded because of a lot of trees. Right, right. So what do I do? Or is it just too late? I've been told by by people that, you know, you're you know, you're a loser. You you've waited <laughs> way too long for this. You should have been doing this a while ago. It depends on the type. If you're trying to reestablish grass, some grass seed germinates in a week to ten days. Some grass seed takes three weeks to germinate. Oh, does it? Yep. I yep. took your advice, by the way, mm-hmm. and I went out and I and it was quite um, a struggle, to be quite honest with you, to find fescue. It is. Uh, did you look for the shade seed in the bags? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because if the bag says shade seed, it's probably going to be fescue. Well, some do and some mm. don't. A lot mm. that don't. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, and, and I didn't necessarily uh, recognize too many of the names, but I found fescue it was about, I think, 60% fescue or something okay. like that in the mix. I thought yeah. that was close enough. Yeah, that's good. And the other grass seeds should germinate and, and help you with a little bit of a cover. But when did you sow the seed? Uh, it's about two weeks now. Oh, okay. Be patient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I say nothing. Nothing. I think the, the weeds are coming in, but not, mm. not, I, I'm, I've, I have no, I have a black thumb, I guess. <laughs> is that the opposite of a green thumb? I don't know. <laughs> Just be patient. You might be surprised. As long as the seed is kept moist through the, until it starts to germinate, you, you should have some luck. Egan Davis is with us from UBC Botanical Garden. We're going to take a break. We're going to jump back onto the phone. Leslie, Maureen, hang on for a second, please. If you want to join us and talk about gardening on the home discovery show 604-280-9898 or star 9898 Uh, this is the home discovery show on news talk 980 cknw power with steve seaborn the little contractor or as we call him today mr birthday boy egan davis is with us he's in studio he is an award-winning red seal horticulturalist and the chief instructor at the uh, horticulture training program at UBC Botanical Garden. And we're making this Victoria Day long weekend on the Home Discovery Show all about gardening. And we welcome your call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898. And good morning to you, Leslie. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I have. I would like to know, I plant, I moved a little fig uh, into the edge of my garden. And it's, it's beautiful. It's staying put. I'm not moving it. Uh, the roots of the fig are shallow, about six inches deep, uh, so they grow out, and it's about three and a half feet out already, and it's taking up room of my garden. Uh, what I'd like to know is, can I plant vegetables there amongst the root, uh, the roots of the fig, or do I have to do something else? Hi, Leslie. You could plant some vegetables there, but it would be uh, advisable to you know keep your vegetables maybe just outside the drip line of the fig tree because the roots of the fig are going to suck up a lot of water and better to grow the veggies where there's no competition. And you're digging all the time when you've got veggies, right? So better to be digging outside the root zone. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. Uh, Speaking of trees, is it early in the season to see so many aphids? Or is it because of the warmer weather? There's aphids everywhere. I noticed the same thing this year. There's been flowers that are a month early, aphids that are a month early. It's just the warm weather. They respond to that. And I said uh, off the top, uh, and according to what I've been able to ascertain from, from meteorologists, is that we're and farmers that were about two weeks behind where we were last year, and last year was an exceptional year in terms of speeding up the season a little bit. 
Hi, Maureen. Oh, hi. I have two quick questions, if I may. I have a huge roto in front of the house that gives us good front coverage, but I want to remove it because it's overgrown. Can you recommend a tree or trees that would be good for coverage but don't have any root system that would go into the foundation? Yeah, you know, you would just want to avoid uh, really a, a large, aggressive trees. But uh, maples, for example, like Japanese maples are surface-rooting plants, and so that, those are very good plants to put near the base of your home. Great. Um, the other question is, we want to put an irrigation system into our beds, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, it seems like a no-brainer, but uh, a spray system, we've offered a spray system or um, a drip line. Mm-hmm. Is one better than the other? I really think that the drip systems that Netafim, the, the brand is called Netafim. They're from Israel, and the Name they're dropper. just <laughs> no, they're they're incredible because they don't waste any water. None of the water uh, you don't lose water from evaporation, and it just soaks into the soil really nicely. Netafim. Netafim. Choose the drip system. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, Maureen. Uh, uh, Andy Barrar, who's uh, one of the co-hosts on Get Connected Saturday mornings on CKNW, uh, showed pictures on his Facebook page yesterday, quite proud to have installed a rain barrel and an irrigation system. So he's got the rain barrel set up underneath the eaves, he collects the rain, and then he's got tubing that goes into his uh, raised garden beds. And this guy's like, he's way ahead of the rest of us, isn't he? Oh, he is. I think, you know, we get so much rain in the wintertime. Save it and use it, you know? I think it's a great idea. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Diana. Uh, yes, it's Deanna. And uh, I have a question for Ian Davis uh, regarding a dwarf Alberta spruce. Um, uh, we It's dying is what it's doing. And uh, it's, for whatever reason, seems to be very stressed. It's uh, losing its needles, uh, the whole bit. It's just a young dwarf uh, spruce, and uh, we planted it last uh, October, I think, something like that, and um, it was fine until just oh, say, a couple months ago, and it is just dying. It's got new growth. You could see the new growth, but it's just losing its needles, and uh, it's brown. I've been watering it every day, and it it just doesn't seem to be doing anything. I actually put in some uh, Jopes uh, fertilizer uh, sticks, a couple, and because uh, it's just little. It's only about three feet high. and uh, You'd like to save it. Yes, I would like to say Egan, what are you going to do here? Well, uh, based on some of the clues here, I think back off on the water. Watering every day is not a good idea for a spruce tree. So if it's losing needles and dying, it could be from too much water. And the Job's fertilizer sticks are actually not going to help it either because fertilizer is, in fact, salt. And with a dwarf Alberta spruce, they don't need supplementary fertilizer. So that, that isn't helping. And also when you plant it, they, they're grown in bark mulch, right? And if the roots don't get established outside of the, the root pack that they come in, no matter how much you water it, it's possible the plant may have dried out. So, you know, if it doesn't look good, you could uh, pull it out and try again. And if you do that, take a look at the roots and just take a look at what's happened. Okay. Okay. Nice to hear from you, Deanna. Appreciate that. Is that going to be the issue this summer, trees that are dying because of the drought we had last year, uh, regardless of the variety? 
Yeah, you know, when we have those hot, hot uh, spells there, a lot of plants, especially if they're used to surface water, if you're irrigating them a lot and the roots are on the surface, and then when we get our, our water taken away, we're not allowed to uh, water as much. So those those plants can be addicted to water, and then they're going to die because they're surface-rooted. Yeah, so. okay. So what do you suggest then? If you've got a, a tree that's sort of borderline right now, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, is there anything you can do? Deep, deep water is a good idea. Soaker soaker tubing is really good because the water enters the soil slowly and it goes deeply. So try right now, before we get uh, too deep into the water restrictions, try right now to use soaker tubing to get the water deep into the soil for the summer. Marion, go ahead to Egan Davis. Hi, I've got another tree that's dying. Mine's a holly tree and it's about, it's over 40 years old. And my gardener figures that the neighbors are spraying their maple trees with a dormant spray mm-hmm. and that it's killing our holly tree. Mm. And their gardener claims that they think it has that blight, mm-hmm. but it's dropping its leaves. Uh, I don't know what to do. I, I think, it. you know, hollies get uh, a, a disease, a root rot disease called phytophthora, and they also get uh, leaf and twig blight. Uh-huh. And it's not, and then with the heat last year and the stress, it may have had these diseases for years, but then with the heat and stress, it may have finished it off. I okay. doubt very much the gardener next door has done anything to kill it. Okay, because the, the, the spot that died first was a, a triangular shaped spot mm-hmm. on the right behind the maple trees aliens yeah. <laughs> they're trying to tell you something no, okay, okay. there's so life out there no yeah. the heat last year is uh, is, is uh, causing things to die that have been probably stressed for years okay. Mar- marion thanks for calling sorry it couldn't be better news for you i know i don't like you very much well then f- feel free to never call again <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. have okay. a great long weekend Bye. all the best thank you <laughs> I didn't mean that. I was I was joking, right? I think I think that's we want her to call again. Of course, that's that was a very good question. That's why it was funny, but you know, it's it's like losing a child, isn't it? It is. You it know, is. if you've had a tree for any yeah. any number of years mm-hmm. um, and you get used to it, one thing I want to ask you, and we've only got a second here before a break, but uh, with the maple, uh, the Japanese maple, mm-hmm. how much maintenance do those trees need? If you give them enough room, they don't need any maintenance, but they grow, trees grow much bigger than people give them space for. So always plant them with lots of room. So is there a formula? A formula, you take a look at what the, if the tree tag says it's going to grow 15 feet, expect that it'll grow 30 feet. Okay. <laughs> That's Egan Davis. He's the chief instructor for the horticulture training program at UBC Botanical Garden. He himself is an award-winning Red Seal horticulturalist. We're taking your calls. It's all about gardening on this Victoria Day long weekend. 604-280-9898. Put him to the test. Or you can call us on your cell at star 9898. This is the Home Discovery Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Victoria Day long weekend. Hope you are enjoying your time off if you're off. My name is Ian Power. Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, is in with us, as is Egan Davis, who has agreed to join us in studio today. He's a regular guest on the Home Discovery Show, an award-winning Red Seal horticulturalist and uh, the chief instructor of the horticulture training program at UBC Botanical Garden. Still some spaces available for the September session, so we want to get to that as well and tell you uh, if you're interested in becoming a horticulturalist or uh, getting into the gardening business, uh, we'll have some tips on that and how you might uh, find the program uh, to your liking. If uh, if they like you, you might like them, and we'll, we'll get into all that handshake and kissy-kissy stuff uh, in, in a bit. But we do want to answer your questions, and as many as we can, because uh, 
for those that aren't at a cottage or some campsite, uh, chances are you're working at your garden. And I say good on you for doing that. And, and I've only taken a garden in recent years to, to, to doing any gardening. And I have to say, and, and perhaps it's because I'm aging, I don't know, but there is something absolutely true to the, the fact that gardening is therapeutic. It, it just, it, whatever you have on your mind, whatever your problems are, they fade away in the garden. It is therapeutic. And it's something for me, it's the visualizing what it is you want to see and just trying to follow through with whatever work you're doing to to create that vision that you have. It's very therapeutic. And gardening in general, like, I mean, I know it can be very expensive, but it really doesn't have to be to be uh, to, satisfying. No, grow plants from seed. Seed is cheap. And, and I think there's nothing more satisfying than growing a plant from a seed. Evelyn, go ahead to Egan Davis. Uh, hello. Hi, Evelyn. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I have a question about my uh, my front yard. It's um, quite a large yard. It's most of it's in full sun, and right now most of it is weed. It looks like clover and patches of dirt. And I'm wondering, with the watering restrictions, is there anything I can do now, or do I have to wait till next spring? You want to plant some new plants? If you do. I would add herbaceous plants. They establish really quickly. Perennials grow really easily. You only need to water them a couple of times before they establish. So I would hold off on the large woody plants until the fall. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the grass. I don't want to plant plants in the grass. Oh, I see. You want to uh, help your new lawn. Uh, You know something? It's getting a little bit late, but you could throw some seed down. And uh, if you... If you want to uh, get quick germination, get perennial ryegrass. It's not the best grass for this climate, but it um, it germinates really quickly, and it'll it'll help for this year. Uh, perennial ryegrass. That's right. It'll germinate in a week. Okay, and I need to water it a lot, right? Not a lot. Uh, just to keep the seed moist until it germinates, and then once it's established, it'll go dormant in the summer, and then uh, you're off into the fall again. Okay. Okay. So I can do something now then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Good luck. Thanks, Evelyn. Uh, what is it uh, that the uh, the pesky European chafer beetles are attracted to? The European chafer beetle, the female, lays her eggs in the lawn, and she'll do it in areas where the lawn is thin or cut really short. So, a really simple solution for chafer beetle is to let your grass grow just a little bit longer. If you can get it to grow four or five inches long, then the female can't lay her eggs in the lawn. So that means less cutting. Less cutting. Yeah. It's easier for you and less problems with the chafer beetle. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking a language I understand. The less you do, the better it is. Exactly. More time to enjoy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, hi there, Michael. Yes, good morning. Uh, courtesy of our neighbor's new house and the bill that they brought in, our house is, our yard is now being overrun with uh, horsetail. Oh, horsetail. Yeah. What is available to kill it? In Canada and uh, prevent it from spreading any further. I'm tired of uh, trying to pull out as much of the root as possible. Before, yeah. you, before you answer that, uh, what is horsetail? Horsetail is an ancient plant. It uh, People consider it weedy. It roots extremely deeply and it has survived everything in the last 250 million years. So there's nothing you can do to kill it. Nothing you can spray on it and you shouldn't do that anyways. Digging it's a waste of time. You know what you do? Plant something taller than horsetail. Horsetail grows maybe 18 inches, 20 inches. If you can put in a shrubby ground cover that's knee high, it'll shade out the horsetail and you'll have a nice garden and horsetail is not going to be come, uh, coming up through it. You're basically crowded out. Yeah, just shade it out with plants that are taller than it. There isn't, uh, I've seen on the internet, there's something called glufosinate ammonium. Yeah, don't even bother with that. 
No Don't way. even bother. You know what? And with horsetail, it has survived for hundreds of millions of years. So something that you can buy in the store is not gonna not gonna kill it. No, just plant something taller than it. Don't even bother with that. Uh, that's a little difficult on a farm where you've got uh, blueberries that you want to try to keep uh, the weeds down. Pluck it like nose hair. It'll come back, but just you know, there's a string visual. trimmer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just one of those annoying things that you just you know just pluck it out when it comes up. <laughs> Again, the whole idea of fertilizers and pesticides is it safe to say, generally speaking, you're not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. You know something? If if you have to buy something in a box or a bag to satisfy your your you know your gardening dreams, that, that to me isn't what it's all about. I don't care if it comes in a brown box with green writing on it, or you know what I mean. Like it doesn't matter. Exactly I mean, friendly. Poisonous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not about buying stuff in boxes or bags. Okay. That's not fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is our online our on air phone line right now, or star ninety eight ninety eight. Or you can uh, drop a question onto the Home Discovery Show Facebook page. We're answering your questions. We're all about gardening on a Victoria long weekend. Uh, and a nice weekend at that to get out in the garden, well, more or less. Just uh, We had a couple of sprinkles this morning. Not not too bad. Egan Davis, our guest, uh, he's a Red Seal award-winning horticulturalist. And we'll be back in a moment on the Home Discovery Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. We're talking about gardening on this Victoria Day long weekend. The unofficial beginning of summer and a hot, dry summer is expected in this part of the world, uh, much like last year. Perhaps a little bit, uh, I think we're a couple of weeks behind last year, but uh, and we had more snow, so hopefully we won't be in any kind of real drought uh, uh, danger as we were last summer. Steve Seaborn is here, the little contractor, and our in-studio guest is Egan Davis uh, from UBC. He's the chief instructor of the horticulture training program at UBC Botanical Garden. And Anne has a question. Go right ahead. Hi, Anne. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I'm out in Langley, and I've been here for 34 years, but uh, we have the hydro right away behind us, and this year they decided to put sewers all along there. And they had to take down a lot of bush, and in the bush there was morning glory, and now we've got it everywhere. Mm. Morning glory is tough, and you can win with morning glory if you dig with a fork. Uh, if you mulch with leaves, morning glory, the roots will establish between the leaves and the soil, and so then when you pull it in the future, the roots uh, come up quite easily. So mulch really works well. Loose leaf mulch actually works really well for morning glory. Okay, thank you. Good thank luck. You. Yeah, thanks for calling in. And Mario, how are you doing? Hi, not too bad. Um, I got a question about uh, blueberry bushes. Is it too late to uh, uh, potted uh, plants, put them in the ground now? No, it's not too late. In fact, you'll find it easier to look after the plants when they're in the ground rather than in the pot. They'll take less water in the ground. So plant your blueberry bushes. And uh, another another thing, uh, um, I went to uh, Art Naps and bought mm-hmm. some the, I think it's called black uh, topsoil. Okay. And 
I asked them what it was made at, what it was made out of. Mm-hmm. And they, they couldn't answer it. Oh, I can tell you. All the topsoil products you buy, they're not actually really soil. They take sand and they add compost, like a manufactured compost and often poultry manure. So it's like a garden blend, but it's not in fact like real topsoil, which includes a lot of mineral elements and silts and clays. So No, really. So it's not bad. Do you have any issues with that? It wouldn't be your first choice, I take it. No, I mean, I don't have any issues with it because you just can't buy real soil. So that's your only option when you're buying soil is to buy these manufactured soil. Right. And and is there one better than the other? And without naming names necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, what to look for when you're buying a topsoil? In fact, actually, Mario asked the right question. What is this made out of? And if the person supplying it can't tell you, then I would, a lot of really good suppliers will be able to tell you exactly what's in the soil. And so they should. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have okay. A you're day. welcome. Yep. I'm told that this year uh, it is possible that will have strawberries, raspberries, and I don't even have the order right. Strawberries, raspberries, and blueberries all at the same time. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've seen strawberries and blueberries almost ready. Do you know, Ian, this year I've seen uh, the months of May, June, and July represented in flowers and fruit all at the same time right now. Wow. <laughs> Does it worry you or not Not really? I mean, I guess in one sense it's this, hey, wow, this is kind of cool. Yeah. And in, in the other sense is uh, maybe there's something to this whole, you know, heating up of the planet that we should be concerned about. Well, visually, it's been a very beautiful spring, but it is also, it is disturbing, and I don't really know where to put that in my brain. Like, yeah. it's disturbing, but I don't really know what to think about it. Because on one hand, we, we, we well, we get mixed messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the one hand, we're told we're, we're turning into California. Mm-hmm. Our weather is representing uh, that of California perhaps 10 or 20 years ago, and we are having a warmer, uh, more pleasant weather that they had in California. And California's to the point now where it's so dry, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, you know it's uncomfortably dry there. Uh, we don't want to get there, but we a lot of us welcome the warmer weather, the nice breezes, the less rain. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, we get these messages about drought, uh, about water shortages. Uh, There's trouble in the world, and um, you know we're we're just getting mixed messages. We just don't know what to do with it. It's true, and like I said, I don't even know where to put that in my brain. I don't think. I mean, with our mountains and close to the water, I think we'll always have uh, water here. But the dry summers, uh, it often is dry in July and August here in Vancouver, and so the last couple of years, this last year especially, was really dry. Be interesting to see, you know, over the next five years, if that is a trend or if that is the way it's going to be. Nobody knows, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the horticulture training program at UBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You're yeah, what now in the f- heading into the fifth year. Heading into the fifth year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good yeah, for yeah. you because it, it yeah. kind of started off as a, a bit of an experiment, did it not? Does with the idea that we'll see how this goes. Absolutely. But then you know we got approval from the university to keep going, and uh, this program is just growing every year. It is getting better and better. The graduating students of 2016 were a phenomenal group, and I can't tell you how excited I am and for next year. I'll bet. Oh, yeah. So do you have space for, Is it when does the program start in September? The program starts in September, and we do have space. I've left a few, I've left four or five spots open to try to uh, get get some competition, and we're, we're trying to fill the program with people who really want to be there with the best. Well, that's what I want to, I, and I wanted to ask you that. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking for? What are, what are the qualifications, uh, or the qualities, perhaps, is yeah. a better way to put it, that you're looking for in people that uh, join your program? So we want people who are 
genuinely interested in starting a career in horticulture. And we want people who are going to come and spend nine months with us and be the best that they can be. Okay. That's that's really the best. Like we, that's what we do. We are the best that we can be. And the program is, is one year in length? Actually, it's... Uh, just over eight months. Okay, eight months, which mm-hmm. yeah. is a school year. Yeah, absolutely. What we call a school year, yeah. at least I mm-hmm. do. Uh, and this is so, uh, the, the program is level one and level two? The program gives you credit for level one and two within the trade system, but we actually offer classes that cover the entire spectrum of horticulture. So everything from growing food to pruning trees to designing gardens to building gardens to plant science, soil science, plant ID, everything. What's the prereq for getting into the program? Well, the prerequisites are uh, having a grade 12 education. And of course, there are some, if you check on our website, there are some specifics there. But like I said, it's attitude is the most important thing. Attitude and desire. Those are the right. most important things. And, and the, want, the want, obviously, to be outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the will to be uh, able to withstand the rain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You have to like kind of getting a bit of mud under your fingers and uh, you get your boots a little bit dirty. Oh, yeah. No, horticulture is a very physical job. And, and a lot of people like the idea of growing plants or getting back to the ground, but uh, you have to understand it's a physical job, you're outside, you're an outdoor professional as a horticulturalist. Sure. So upon completing your program at UBC, where do your students find themselves? We This year we had students going to different municipalities, to Vancouver, to Burnaby, to Coquitlam. We had some go into uh, pr- private work, working for a company, Fossil, that uh, a few students uh, w- went to. Some people started their own companies. I think somebody is looking to buy some farm property. So a variety of different career options. So more information available where? Uh, and if uh, somebody's interested in perhaps finding out more, uh, maybe even uh, uh, seeking enrollment, uh, what do you suggest? Go to the UBC Botanical Garden website and then just click on learn and go from there. Okay. Easy enough. Uh, so just uh, go and punch in Dr. Google and mm-hmm. uh, look for UBC Botanical, uh, which I follow on Twitter, by mm-hmm. the way. And okay. uh, whoever's doing the Twitter feed at UBC Botanical Garden, mm-hmm. they've kicked it up a notch. I would agree. Yeah, yeah no, it's They're just doing a great happening. job. It's happening. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's a great garden that I don't think enough of us spend enough time appreciating because we think of Van Dusen in Vancouver, at least, or mm-hmm. Park and Tilford on the North Shore, the other gardens that are around. Um, and UBC, we always think of as a, as a learning center, but it is open to the public. Oh, it's open to the public, and we have the best collection of plants in the region. We've got native plants, plants from Asia, plants from all across the world, plants from North America, and people there, too. And there's a lot of ways you can connect with experts. Uh, there's different workshops that we provide. There's the, UBC, the horticulture training program. So come on out. We've got a great display food garden. Lots to do, lots to see. Question for you. Okay. What's your favorite plant? Ah, easy answer, Douglas Fir. I grew up in, in North Van in Lynn Valley. And, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I was making, <laughs> you know, dams with rocks in the creek. And, the, and as older, I was, you know, hiking and whatnot. And so the smell of Douglas fir just reminds me of home. That's yeah. where I come from. Yeah. yeah. And Steve will tell you it's a beautiful wood to work with. It is. I got three posts sitting on the job site ready to go. Excellent. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we've got some time. If you've got a call, a question uh, about gardening or horticulture or the training program at uh, UBC, by all means, uh, give a call to Egan Davis, 604 604- Uh, 604-280-9898. You can use your cell, too, just to punch in star 9898. The Home Discovery Show uh, will be back after a quick break on News Talk 980 CKNW.
I like to call it gardening. <laughs> That's not insulting, is it? No, in fact, I think gardening sounds more, more accessible, it. right? Victoria Day long <laughs> weekend, and uh, what better thing to, to be spending your time with? Uh, Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, is here, as always, and Egan Davis, our special guest in studio. He's uh, the chief instructor of the UBC, uh, the, the horticulture training program at UBC Botanical Garden. Susan, uh, we, we've got a question for Egan? Hi, Susan. Oh, Hi. Um, yes, I have a passion for deciduous azaleas, and I've been trying to propagate some old ones. Uh, can you give me some hints? I'm not having much luck with it. Layer them. Take a take a shoot, scrape yeah. the bark off one side, and put yeah. it in the soil, put a rock over top, and wait two years. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so it, the two years is probably the key then, is it? Yeah, but you know, it'll still it'll grow just as fast. Just don't cut it off the mother plant for two years. Thanks, Susan. hope that helps. Azaleas. Mm. I love that word. Mm-hmm. I do too. It's a pretty yeah. word. Yeah. Jerry. Um, yes. Uh, I live in North Vancouver. I've got a native mountain ash. Now, for two years, there was a certain worm that ate every leaf. This year so far, I haven't seen it. So I was just wondering what was the, you know, why, what can I do for it if it should come back? So, in fact, the mountain ash is not native. They are in an introduced species from Europe. Oh, yeah. And, and so I actually think it's irresponsible to grow mountain ash because the birds spread the berries around. And there was a pest that was skeletonizing the leaves that was relatively new in this region. Uh-huh. And it'll be later in the summer before its life cycle uh, kicks in and it starts eating the leaves again. But quite honestly, the mountain ash I think you should remove. And we're out of time. Sorry. I hope that was enough. Uh, basically, she, she wants to remove it. Yeah, she should remove it. Okay. Um, thank you for coming in again and spending time with us. Uh, we know that you're about to hit the wor- uh, the road and you're going to be traveling in Europe. Uh, we're going to do a segment with you from, if we can work all, all, all the details, you've got some uh, horticulture specialists in Sweden that we're going to talk to a little bit later as we get closer to summer. Egan Davis, an award-winning Red Seal horticulturalist and the uh, chief instructor of the horticulture training program at UBC Botanical Garden. Look online. It may be a program, the horticulture training program, that sets you on a new career path for Egan Davis, for Steve Seaborn, little contractor, and our technical producer, Matt Hyland. I'm Ian Power. Stay with us for Vancouver Consumer next on News Talk 980 CKNW.